and welcome back to the Voice of the Child podcast. Before I introduce my next guest, I'm going to address a couple of queries that have been sent in from our listeners. Thank you very, very much, first of all, um, to our listeners for listening in and tuning in every week. We've been overwhelmed by the positive responses that we've received to the podcasts, and I'm grateful to you for, for listening and engaging, and I'm very glad that you're finding the program interesting. I have also been asked uh, to answer a couple of questions, so I'm, I'm going to do that now. The first one is, would you please, Natasha, if you can, introduce your next guest for the following podcast during the current po- podcast? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. If I can, I will do that. And the second question is, Natasha, why on earth don't you introduce yourself at the start of the podcasts? Um, to which my answer is, I'm not quite sure, um, but I will do that from now on. I think it's primarily because the the podcast guests and the topics are a priority and I'm very easily discoverable online when I post the podcast up as well so it doesn't take much to to find out um, who the voice belongs to if you're listening to the podcasts and clicking on links but I will begin this podcast by introducing myself so I'm Natasha I'm the founder of Researching Reform which is a project dedicated to improving legislation and policy in the UK and beyond and the Voice of the Child podcast series is very much a part of that project and in this series what I'm hoping to do is to help highlight the way law and policy in a wide range of contexts affect children. And in that vein, our podcast today is about adoption fraud, which is um, sometimes referred to as wrongful or illegal adoption. Uh, and that refers to any kind of intentional misrepresentation or illegal act by someone during the adoption process for the sole purpose of personal or financial gain. And that can include adoption agencies, birth parents and adoptive parents. Um, so there's a wide group of people that can engage in adoption fraud. My guest today is Shelby, not her real name. Uh, she is a mum who's been through the family courts herself and lost her son to adoption. And she herself uncovered an extraordinary finding when she was going through her own journey trying to access her son's original birth certificate. Shelby, how were you able to access that adoption certificate as a birth parent and why did you decide to try to get it? Uh, hi, Natasha. Um, it was... It- it had either been the number birth certificate or the adoption certificate that I'd um, gone after. Uh, I had a friend who was um, another campaigner, family campaigner, and she'd found out that her son was not adopted, although this was through the Scotland uh, registry. Um, and she did not get, get sent um, a copy of any adoption certificate because there was nothing on record. Um, but the way I found out was I went through the General Registry Office for uh, England and Wales, where I obtained copies of um, the never amended full-length um, A4 copy of the um, birth certificate and the um, the full-length adoption certificate as well. How does the adoption certificate process work in England and Wales? Um, what you do, you, you phone up the uh, General Registry Office or you can fill out an online form. Um, you can request them by standard delivery or um, priority service, which I would advise any parents or all natural parents going through the priority service. Um, 
and then what happens if there's a problem, you will get um, an email or a phone call to let you know that they've had a problem, um, locating an entry, which is uh, what, what, what had happened to me. And in terms of the actual process itself, generally speaking, what happens is the adoption order is sent from the court to the registrar office. Uh, and from there, the registrar office then takes the details of the adoption and creates a new adoption certificate, which then replaces effectively the original birth certificate, although the original birth certificate remains on file. But generally speaking, also, birth parents aren't able to have access to the adoption certificate. So how were you able to access yours? Um, I was able to access it because um, I knew the alleged adoptive parents' details, like um, name and address. It, it, it hasn't got to be the current address if uh, an actual parent goes for years later, as long as they know of an address that the adoptive parent was at. Um, and that's how I was able to access uh, my copy. So that's also quite unusual in itself, because generally speaking, birth parents don't ever get to meet the adoptive parents. Why was that different in your case? Um, it was different because um, the alleged adoptive parent had also been um, a foster parent and um, like a foster carer. Um, and I, I knew where... Well, where the house was, because I, I would insist, like, you know, if any of my children went anywhere, that I would have to go and meet them and basically back them out, really, to check that I was happy for any of my children to be there. So once the adoption order went through, what triggered you to go and see if your son had actually been adopted? Um, what, what triggered me? Um, because... My friend, who was a family campaigner, who was since died, sadly, um, she, she's the one that she, she just kept asking me to go for it. Um, she said, you might find out the same with your son, that he's not really adopted. Um, and I didn't think for one minute that I would be finding out from the General Registry Office that there was uh, no, no record of uh, my son's adoption on the... Um, on the adoption register but that's what happened and you said that you had some trouble uh, getting the original birth certificate and the adoption certificates um can you explain a little bit more why there was a difficulty in finding those things um well that the general registry office did not tell me that they um i, I don't from what i recall i don't believe they told me that there was um a problem locating um, that at first. I, I think it was a bit vague at first. I wasn't really getting answers properly. Um, as, as I recall, but I, I did become to learn that there was problems locating that. I had an email about the one, and as I recall, a phone call about the other, like between the two different certificates. So when I found back about the one um, message that I'd received from the GRA, I was talking about the one certificate they couldn't find and they'd actually be found out towards the end of the conversation. They were talking about the other certificate. So they had problems locating the both. And in terms of the the first search that you did, locating the adoption certificate, that was in 2015. What did you find when you eventually got that certificate? Um, was this the first one? I think it was, wasn't it? Yes. Um 
it showed that um, that my son had my surname, which was the same as the one that I'd given him at birth. Uh, you know, on the birth certificate, on the original birth certificate. And that was a surprise to the adoptive parent as well, wasn't it? Because she said that she'd informed the General Register Office of the change within weeks of the adoption. So how did you, yes. how did she res- react to that when you told her? Um, she said that she still believed that that my son was adopted. Well, we seem like our son. Uh, he sees us both like mums. Um, she said that she still believed that the adoption went through. She'd, um, she'd, um, you know, made it known that there was mistakes with the details at the time of finding out because obviously they get sent to copy. Um, once the court sent it onto the general registry office, then the adoptive parents or alleged adoptive parents get sent to copy. And she realised there was a mistake. Could let them know within about three weeks, um, which then you know you would have expected to have been corrected uh, on written record. Well, in 2017, you then decided to make a second request for the adoption certificate. What did you find when you eventually received the adoption certificate that year? Um, I found that, as confirmed, and through speaking to a family court and um, a court clerk, um, I think it was an adoption court clerk, um, that they was writing what they told me, that my son's name had got changed or, or corrected um, when, as I recall, I was 17 years old. And then they had the name of the, um, the oh, what's the name, the, the alleged adop- adopter. They had their surname instead. And how was that name changed and, and why? Why was that path taken? Um... Well, that is a very good question. What I can say is that I'd, um, I'd question the being other mistakes come to light, what the council had made um, with the ICA about my case. And I brought these mistakes to light, like with the ring adoption, yeah. Um, and a lot of things that were said wrong about me from the year 2002. Um, so sorry, what was the question again? Sorry about this. That's okay. I was just asking you about the method which was used to change your son's name and why that method was used. Um, I, well, I was of the belief that if it was on the adoption certificate and changed on there or amended or what have you, I was of the belief that everything must be correct on a written record, but um. I don't really say how it can have been because other things progressed from there. Um, and I've done that because I was concerned um, because my son was using like the um, the alleged adoptive parents' surname on uh, some of his social media. Um, and then I learned from him because we was allowed to speak before we was he was eighteen, so that was all done through court separately. Um, so I was quite concerned that he could get into trouble for fraud because I'd already seen that he'd got my surname, um, you know, on, on the adoption certificate. So I became, you know, a bit sus. How come he was using? 
the adoptive parents' surname, and I was just really concerned that he could get into trouble for fraud. And this is how it all came about. And the court clerk told me that, well, actually, um, you haven't got to worry about him getting into trouble for fraud because his name has been uh, corrected and, and amended. But on what record, I don't know with um, things that come to light later now. So at that point, the adoptive parent uh, changes your son's name through deed poll. Why does the adoptive parent choose deed poll as a way through rather than going back and correcting the adoption certificate? Um, from speaking to that, and this has been fairly recently, got to be in about the last, oh, about three months, uh, four months at the most, um, she went and got it corrected because... Um, I understand she tried to get a passport done for my son or, or my son had tried to get a passport done. Um, and what happened, it, it was creating problems um, because of all this with, you know, that the name's all been so messed up. It was creating a problem for her and she said it would have been so expensive to go through the court to get it all sorted out. So she got it done through depot instead. With all of these things going on and all of that uncertainty, you then decide to challenge the validity of the adoption order in court. And although one of the judges that you came before felt that it was human error, the documents that you had collected were significant and one of the judges deemed so important that they needed to be included in the bundle and then sent on to the Information Commissioner's office. What happened at that point? As I recall, I'd had the council found in breach um for, for starting the wrong adoption year. And I recall that um, I spoke to someone at the OCA, the caseworker, who told me to send what I'd got over because, <clears throat> you know, all this, a lot of this was no evidence come to light. This was before what I've learned from, you know, about the depot, like this, by the way, has been more recent. So what happened? He told me to send the rest over when I had it because I'd already asked for it in court knew that I was doing this. Not family court, and by the time I sent the second lot, well, on the first lot, he come to the conclusion that you know the case was in breach. But then I sent the second lot, and as I recall, I was just as good as told that I was too late, even though this, this had been no evidence come to light. The the issue of the adoption not being registered properly is incredibly serious from even the the most basic of uh, challenges which could be just human error, to something a great deal more sinister, uh, looking at fraud and uh, illegal adoptions, which we're now seeing cases coming out of from places like Ireland, where there's a, a very large investigation taking place into adoption agencies who have uh, been caught illegally registering adoptions and tampering with birth certificates. This is obviously a really big issue and something that I know. You then decided to carry out a freedom of information request, which you did in 2017, entitled Misinterpretation or Misrepresentation on Adoption Certificate. And in that freedom of information request, you set down five questions, one of which asks how many times in the last 12 months the General Registry Office has come across an error being made on an adoption order. And in that request, you get quite a detailed answer for um, all of the queries that you give. But what did they reply to you specifically in relation to your query about the errors on adoption orders? Um, the main thing that I can remember from that, because that was a while ago, 
is um, that I was told that there was um, five or, or less than five where these sort of mistakes have happened. Um, but of course, that's only what we know. Now that's um, recorded, isn't it? Yeah, and we've seen with the uh, the cases in Ireland, the, these things have increased over time as more and more investigations have taken place. So that number, as you say, is likely to be very conservative. In terms of the adoption itself, uh, and obviously the issues with the adoption certificate, how did the uncertainty around the the details within the adoption certificate affect your son? Um, my son has been left quite worn and, and what to think. Um, he's suffering with mental health issues now. Um, it, it's like that, you know, it's... Because really, with the um, alleged factors and, and, and more details, what we um, told him, he said everything matches up from that side. But from this side and the uncertainty, um, not really knowing if the adoption had, had really happened or not, um, because he has seen the information that I've got. Um, he has asked questions. It's just letting quite quite torn and um, he's been quite poorly over it all um, and the lack of identity uh, I think has contributed towards that I mean it even got to the point while he's been poorly um, that he thought that I was his adoptive uh, mum and that his uh, alleged adoptive mum was his real mum. And how has the adoption affected you? Um, well I'm quite annoyed, really. It's quite frustrating. I've thought all these years, like 20 years, roughly. Um, and that's left me feeling like, I just feel like my heart is crying all the time. I can sit there and tears stream down my face without no expression. Um, there's no enjoyment in life because it's just constantly on my mind what has happened. Um, and I think the other relevant thing to say, a lot of what's caused this as well, is because it was noted that there was fraud on my case. Now, that doesn't get mentioned in either the reserved or the approved judgment. So if there was fraud in the case anyway, um, what's to say there hasn't been fraud with these um, adoption certificates being done? You know, why would the uh, alleged adoptive parents have needed to have gone through the depot um, to get their name correction done um, or, or to change my son's name? Um, because that should be on written record. It's on a lot of databases, on the family courts records, the councils. Um, they're supposed to have copies of like, the adoption orders and the adoption certificates. I've read that myself with my council, that they do have copies of those. And then they're supposed to um, look into all this information periodically to see what is inaccurate there. So what has took them from 2006 um, to 2017, um, you know, for that to come to light. Um, I don't believe it would have come to light if I wouldn't have uh, gone asking questions. and gaining all this information and knowledge that I have. And what would you like the policy around adoption certificates to look like today, if you were able to change that policy? Um, what I would do, I would want it mandatory that when an adoption order is done, 
that the um, the the parents, the natural parents, get to be provided with a copy of that note immediately. The same as it's sent to the General Registry Office immediately for England and Wales. Um, it will be called something different for um, for Scotland and and uh, Ireland, but it's the same sort of thing, you know, where all the certificates are kept. I would like to say that that's mandatory. Um, I think it's really important that it is mandatory um, for parents to receive copies of the adoption order as well. Um, <clears throat> even if parts have to be like, you know, the, the, the adopter's personal details do have to be um, edited out um, because really this is about how it's affecting the child. If it affects us like this, how is it going to affect them when they're grabbing up these innocent children? growing up to all this confusion with their identity so messed up. And I mean, of course, the worst part of it is, is the fraud, it's criminal activity.